This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey, every, oh wait, no. I gotta do the intro first. Uh, <laughs> from the deep seas to conspiracies. Kind of makes sense, right? Welcome to Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, thanks for listening in to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garbender getting ready for this is our going to be our friday episode and then i'm gonna kind of take the weekend off i doing a little bit better with my sinus infection i went to the doctor today they gave me antibiotics now i'm always concerned about taking antibiotics i'm always afraid my skin's gonna fall off i'm not a hypochondriac my uh i have my brother my little brother's a hypochondriac he used to be i don't know if he's so bad anymore but I'm not a hypochondriac. I just have a thing about taking antibiotics and my skin falling off. I, I know it's super rare, but every time I take an antibiotic, when I start taking an antibiotic, I'm always checking myself for rashes and stuff like that. Um, I'm allergic to penicillin. And that was when I was a kid. And every doctor the past like five years has been like, no, nah, you're not allergic to penicillin. Here, take this. And I'm like, ugh, okay. And so if my skin falls off, you guys know who to blame. It wasn't because I was doing something stupid. I was just taking antibiotics. But I'm feeling a little bit better. After this podcast, I'm going to do some more reading. I actually found some great articles. But we're going to go ahead and do a story that I've been talking about all week. It's kind of like an instructional video, an instructional podcast. And we're going to talk about two really cool conspiracies that kind of tie into that. And what we're going to just kind of glot to kind of prep this up, it's how to create a good conspiracy theory. Now... We, there, there's conspiracy theories about everything. The other day I was out talking with my friend and we were talking about ticks. And I said, have you heard the conspiracy theory that Lyme disease was a bioweapon? And she's like, I, I hadn't heard that. And she's from the Midwest. And we talked a bit about that because it came, it started showing up uh, on the coast of where the Montauk research base was, where they do bioweapons. But anyway, so there's conspiracy theories about everything. AIDS was a bioweapon, so on and so forth. But then you get these conspiracy theories that the ones that are the most easily disproven are the ones that would require tons and tons of people to be part of the conspiracy. So when we look at something like chemtrails, you can say that, and we'll kind of be using that as an overall example as we go through these other stories, but chemtrails is one that you need whole flight crews and you need uh, airplane manufacturers and you need um, all these levels of the military up and down to cover up this thing that they're pumping chemicals into our sky to make us dumb or to make us docile, which the last thing Americans are becoming is more docile, or to control the environment or whatever. A good conspiracy theory is really going to have three main points. It's going to involve a limited amount of people being involved in the conspiracy, It should involve groups that people are normally suspicious of. 
and three, time plus distance equals conspiracy. Now, we're going to go over those, and we're going to show how that kind of relates to the chemtrail thing. You know, we'll, we'll go into that right now. The chemtrail thing is supposedly happening right now, so we don't have the time issue. It's happening right now, so you can v easily verify facts. It doesn't involve a limited amount of people. It does have the first one, which is group, or it does have the second one, which is groups that are suspicious. Generally, um, the government is a group that people are suspicious of, especially the military or any sort of spy group. Depending on the audience, um, churches can be very considered very suspicious. If you have a conspiracy involving a church or a religious group, but generally things like the government, the government is the one that most people don't trust. Um, you can have, you know, the Illuminati stuff kind of plays into a distrust in the media, but you want to have it to be a group that you're initially suspicious of. So out of those three factors, chemtrails really only involves one, and that's because it involves the U.S. military and the government and things like that. Now, again, people ask me, so what conspiracy theories, Jason, do you actually believe? I talked before about the Lady Gaga one, which, again, I don't know if she actually killed. As I've been talking to other people about that, and I, I that was on... um. I don't remember what episode that was on. I think it was on Chop Shop, but I, you know, I've talked to other people about it in real life, and I said, you know, I don't necessarily think that Lady Gaga. I think the most likely thing is that this young woman died, and the record company took her songs and took her image and gave it to Stephanie Gemato and says, "Here, you be Lady Gaga." I think that's the most likely thing. I don't necessarily know if Lady Gaga murdered her, but I think they had invested all of this money into this act, and then they moved it over to Lady Gaga. And, and as I've been talking to people about the podcast, I was kind of explaining that to them. But anyways, so that's a, that's definitely a conspiracy theory that I lead a lot of weight to, tend to give a lot of weight to. There's another one. It's a very, very... It's not a very well-known conspiracy theory. I remember I read about it when this article was first written, and it really does hit all three of those things that make up a good conspiracy theory. And it has been one that I, when I came, the article was written back in 2012, and it involves something that happened in the early 90s. I remember reading it, and I go, that is, I could absolutely believe this happened. So what this conspiracy theory is, is back in 19, this is written from an anonymous record producer. Back in 1999, down in L.A., he was, he was, a mover and a shaker. He was like an influencer in the world of music. He gets invited to a private party, a private dinner at this mansion in L.A. So he shows up, you know, because why not? You know, it's going to be a big wig. He's, he's fairly, you know, well off. He's going to hang out with other people who are well off. So he goes there. And he goes into this room. He recognizes some of the other people. Some of them he doesn't recognize. But they all look like they're in the music industry. There's a couple people there who do not look like they're in the music industry. Two guys in particular look like bodyguards or like high-level security. And I believe there was two other people there who did not look like they were part of the music industry. So all of the the, the, the guy who's writing this letter is kind of hobnobbing with the other producers. They're kind of doing their thing. And he said in the in the small group of the outsiders, they weren't talking to the... They were just kind of keeping to themselves. So you had like a small group of people talking to themselves. And then about... He says about 25 to 30 people were there total. Most of them were record producers. And they're just kind of talking business. Well, then the meeting starts. 
what happens is one of the guys, one of the people that he doesn't recognize, who doesn't look like they're part of the music industry, um, first made sure everyone had signed a non-disclosure agreement. And everyone's like, okay, this is a little weird, but, you know, whatever. It's probably maybe some new product getting rolled out or something like that. So they all signed the non-disclosure agreement. And then the stranger says, okay, this is what's going on. You work for record companies, and record companies are in business with us. Our business is private prisons. We think it will be financially beneficial for everyone involved to begin to push gangster rap music into the mainstream. It will be good record sales for you, because rap music is definitely increasing in value. This again was back in 91. It'll be good for us. Because we own prisons. You're the people you work for have a stake in these private prisons we're building. And you will have a choice right now to also buy stock in these private prisons. So that that's the deal. That's what we're going to do here. Now it wasn't presented as a would you like to join? This is your boss has money invested in us, and now we're telling you that this is the way we're gonna go. And what happens is one of the guys ask what's a private prison because these weren't well known back then and the person explains that private prison is a prison that is paid for by private investors but they get money back from the government and they get money for the prisoners that they hold and it's basically a private industry where you're the government's paying you to imprison people and there's just this quiet over the room until one guy finally says you gotta be kidding me and he stands up, and two of the security, the two guys that seem like security guards approach him. They start scuffling. The guy who's writing this article, this letter, gets up with a couple other people, gets involved in the scuffle, trying to break up the security guard and the record producer. And the security guards pull out guns, and they're escorted off the property. And as they're leaving... Um, one of their friends, one of the people who um, that they knew who was there, was like who helped organize it. Said, you "Guys, remember you signed an, you signed an agreement. You signed an agreement. You better not say anything. You better not say anything." The guy who wrote this letter turned to that guy, who was kind of the intermediary, and said, "Why are you involved in this?" And the guy said, "This is bigger than you. This is way bigger than just money. So just keep your mouth shut. You signed an agreement. Just keep your mouth shut." And so this record producer then goes on to say, you know, I saw that gangster rap did definitely become the most prevalent form of hip-hop. And this was before The Chronic came out. This was, this was after um, NWA had already started. But we had the big, the huge boom of gangster rap around this time and afterwards. And so he said, you know, I... it. You know, I saw the gangster rap became the main form of, like, the biggest form of hip-hop. I saw how it started to overtake the music industry. And I felt really bad that I didn't say anything. That, you know, this music is getting these young kids excited and they're going out and they're committing crimes. And they're increasing the incarceration rate. And then the government has to put these people in private prisons. The end. That's that's the story. Now, I'm going to post the link, obviously. But let so let let's and, and you know like I've said before I'm a fan of hip hop I read that and I was like wow I could definitely believe that happening so and let's take a look at why one it has a limited amount of people the entire conspiracy 
involved. There's about 30 people at this party, and then you figure some heads of the record labels. All, all that you would need for this conspiracy to actually be plausible is a record label buys stock in private prisons, either through some sort of, uh, you know, huge portfolio or personally. They buy stock in a private prison, and then the private prison people collude with the record companies to make rap music more violent. That's it. You don't need this huge infrastructure. You just now need people putting out the words like, oh, yeah, you know, get, get our A&R reps and let's sign some hip, hip music. Let's make this music happen. The harder, the better. That's what the kids want. It doesn't take a lot for this conspiracy to take off. Very limited amount of people because it's too, It's basically a business transaction. You could, They could have done it with just a record producer buying stock in a private prison and then producing The Chronic and just having it this gangster rap album. But you, this whole conspiracy at most is like there's 30 people in this room who knew about this meeting. Let's add another five executives on top of it of the, of the actual record companies. One, it involves groups that are suspicious and involves both the government, in a sense, but more importantly, it involves corporations, just kind of the blind, faceless corporation that's simply motivated by profit, by both the record labels and the private prisons. That's their main goal, is profit. There's the little thing thrown off in the end that this is bigger than just money, and it's never really answered what it is. But the faceless corporation is another key thing that people are just naturally suspicious of. Time plus distance... It definitely has the time component because the article came out in 2012 and it's referencing something that happened about 20 years earlier. So you can't really verify a lot of facts. All you can do is say, this guy says this event happened here and then we can see rap music becoming more uh, gangsterized after that. But it's not like you could be there and you could interview these people or find out where this meeting was held or anything like that. All that information is lost to the wind. Distance, not so much. Distance for, I think, on a social level, because most of us aren't invited to those type of parties. So there's a social distance. There's not really a geographical distance, but sometimes just that social distance can help. But I think the biggest thing is the time issue. If a rapper came out today and said, yesterday I went to a meeting and they told me to make more music about doing opioids because Pfizer wants to sell more opioids, that stuff would be would be very easy to to back up but you wait 20 years and say yeah Pfizer came to us and said hey will you make more songs about Oxy you know after that point we really can't verify anything so you take something as simple and really the the fourth component to a conspiracy theory is that it should tell a compelling story that's a compelling story to think that people would be so interested in making money that they would ruin the lives of young young men you know You'd ruin the lives of young men just to make money. That's a compelling story, and it kind of like, it's a, that heart of darkness. And then we have the heroes in the story, too, the people who say, we're not going to go along with this, and they get kicked out, but the machines of the machines of greed continue to crush on. Fascinating story. I definitely think it could have happened. I wouldn't be shocked if I ever came across any other proof that it did. So, yeah, I, that, that's one of the... And, and when people ask me, what conspiracies do you believe in? I'll actually say that one before I'll be like, oh, I think Lady Gaga was, you know, accomplice to a murder. I, I'll tell them a hip-hop summit is what I call it. The hip-hop story. And I'll go in and post that on there. Now, <clears throat> compare that to something like Kim Trails, which involves tons of people in the time and everything like that. So you can craft a really well-written conspiracy theory 
by just keeping keeping those key things in mind. And I'm not asking everyone to go out and to write, start writing, making up conspiracy theories. I just think it's something to take in, into account because there it definitely is, I think, an art to crafting a conspiracy theory that catches you, catches your attention. Um, whether or not it's real, it, you can have a real conspiracy. I, I come across stuff all the time that I can't make heads or tails of because it's poorly written. I come across conspiracy theories that I think might be interesting, but they're so poorly worded. You can have interesting... It's all about how interesting the story is. Whether or not it's true sometimes is irrelevant. And again, we're going to finish it off with this because I thought this was an interesting story. And this was, again, I go to that conspiracy list, the big conspiracy list. I may end up just putting that on the website as well so you can take a look at it, but maybe not because I kind of like it being surprised. I'll go through it. I'll look for ones that look interesting. Now, the Hip Hop Summit isn't on there. The one we just covered about the hip hop, the the producers making rap music to get people to commit crimes, to go to private prisons, to make money, that's not on this list. But this one is. And you get prepared for a ton of mispronunciations because we're going to Russia. This is Lake Baikal. B-A-I-K-A-L. Lake Baikal. Is on the conspiracy list. It's about a mid-level conspiracy. And you're like, okay, great. There's going to be Sea Monster, right? Uh, maybe. There's going to be like oh, some Atlantis stuff, right? Uh, maybe. What if I told you that this plays into one of my theories? And it's aliens from underwater. Now, what's interesting is I had never really heard of Lake Baikal until probably about four hours ago. When I was looking for stuff looking for fun stuff on that list to research. And I see it pop up, and it's just the words, and I typed it in, and I got a ton of articles about this place. And the reason why is because it has two things going for it. One, it is the largest lake in the world. It's the largest freshwater... Okay, that's not true. Kind of. It's the largest freshwater body of water in the world. So definitely, it's still, you know, huge. They say that the lake, according to this website, is 30 million years old. I think, aren't all lakes, like, old as the planet? Aren't all? But anyways, and it has a depth of under, of, of under, it has a depth of over 4,900 feet. So it's a massive lake. It says it holds 20% of the planet's fresh water and has more indigenous species of flora and fauna than any other lake on the face of Earth. So this, scientifically, is very notable lake so what happened this this, so there you go your conspiracy based on something real what happened was back um in the day when russia when the ussr was around they used these lakes to test out torpedoes test out weapon systems and to train their frogmen and so one day they had some frogmen going down there, not literal frogmen, as awesome as that would be, but actual like, <clears throat> you know, like Navy SEALs frogmen. They, they're down in the water, and you'll see pictures, and the pictures are totally fake. The pictures are stupid, and they're on every article, and I don't even know why they put them on there. But anyway, so these frogmen were underwater, and let's get a time limit for this, because we're going to get our time plus distance. It's back in 82, so a long time ago. These guys are down there, these Russian soldiers are training, and they see something in the water. Now, again, this is just this massive lake. They see something in the water, and they're looking, 
and they're people they're humanoids like you know the frogmen are kind of looking at each other they realize not only are they humanoids they're 10 feet long 10 feet and they're wearing nothing but like tight shiny suits with a helmet on swimming through the water very fast so the frogmen surface and they said they're, you know, freaking out. I don't know. I'm making that part up. Maybe they weren't freaking out. Maybe they're like totally calm. I can't do Russian accent either, so I'm not going to try. But so the Russians go, um, there's some dudes down there in tight, shiny suits. And I mean, I think there's probably a little more involved in that because the next thing you know, the government's like, well, let's go down there and see if we can catch them. So they start sending more people down there and they start chasing them around with nets. And okay, so now that I'm saying it out loud, it does sound pretty preposterous. But hold on. Well, no, it's preposterous no matter what. But anyway, so they're chasing them with nets. And before they can catch one of these giant guys, there are seven of these frogmen this time chasing the guy with the net. They're all throwing up out of the water like 30 feet. And they depressurize so much because they're so deep that they all like get the bends or something. They all start to like blow up inside of themselves and three of them die and four of them were invalids according to these articles and it was interesting so on the other side on the civilian side of it the people in town reported that they were um or not in town but they, you know locals said this one local said he saw it happen he saw a bunch of divers fly out of the water about 30 feet up in the air and then smash back down and he thought, why do they? How are? Why and how are they training their divers to do that? Like, is, I mean, why would you train them to be thrown out of the water so high and then hit? So you kind of get that backup story of that. And since then, the the military of Russia has said, "Don't, we're not going to interact with whatever's down there at all." Now, is that story completely made up? I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 would I bet money that it's real? No, of course I wouldn't. Would I like it to be real? Yeah, sure. And again, that plays into my idea that all these UFOs, because they've also talked about they've seen monsters down there and they've seen craft down there and things like that. And if you just had some sort of tunnel system in there, stuff could fly in and out. Plus, ooh, I just thought of this. Yesterday's episode, I said if it's really cold, you can get bigger. That might be why these people are 10 feet tall, because they're in the cold and they can live longer and eat more food. But to to me, that's a fascinating, it's a fascinating conspiracy. It Matt's, Matt meets all the things of a good conspiracy. It's far away. It took place a long time ago. It involves groups who don't trust, which again, this is the military, and has a limited amount of people. You would just have the people on the beach who saw the event and the few military personnel who were a part of it. And it's intriguing. It's an intriguing story to think that underneath this lake, underneath one of the greatest lakes on the planet Earth, is another civilization just kind of minding their own business, doing their own thing, and you try to catch them in a net, and they mess you up. And again, like I've said before, I think that any sort of UFO craft that we see, most likely, if it's real, if it's not like you know, you're not you're seeing it for real, but is most likely from this planet. Or from another dimension. And you may go, well, you know, that's no fun. Like, I want aliens. Here's the thing. If they're from another dimension, they are the 
absolute definition of an alien. They're something that we cannot comprehend in any way, shape, or form. I think if you saw something from another dimension, it would be the uncanny valley times a thousand. I don't think your brain could even process the idea of something that doesn't did not come from our reality of time and space. I I don't think that you could even begin to comprehend it. It would be like the nothing from the never-ending story. You couldn't describe it. It would be completely terrifying to you. Terrifying may be beautiful, but you wouldn't be able to describe it. Or if they're from this planet and they're from... I don't believe in the hollow earth. I'm not saying that. But if they're from cave systems or from underwater and they share our... DNA, or they, they're related to us in some way, that is, I think, that to me, that's more terrifying than something coming from outer space. Because something coming from outer space is going to be so unrelated to us, we won't be able to communicate with them in, in any way, shape, or form. They won't be able to communicate with us. We'll have no shared values. We wouldn't recognize them as life. They wouldn't recognize us as life. I don't even, but again, the distance is so great, they never get here. If they're from Earth, they're brutal. They're warriors. Every species on this planet fights for survival every single day. If they're from this planet and they share our DNA, that is they that is not good for us. That is not good for us. So I think people may go, well, you know, that's kind of boring. Oh, they're from underwater. To me, no, I think that's more fascinating because if they are us or distant relatives of us, we got to fight on our hands if they ever come up. But again... I'm no Alex Jones. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think it's an entertaining theory. And if someone, again, could make the oceans disappear and go, Jason, look, there's no aliens down there. I'd be like, okay. Or if someone just said, yeah, no, there's no, you know, here's the proof that nothing. I'd be like, okay, I'm not married to it. I, my thing is, I just think that's far more plausible than them coming from outer space. I think that's completely impossible. But I've been proven wrong before. Not often. I mispronounce words more often than I'm proven wrong, and I get facts wrong more often than I'm proven wrong, but that's different because I'm not being proved wrong. I'm simply not doing my research, which I guess is kind of like being proved wrong. But I'm the one with the microphone, so I get to decide when I'm proven wrong. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Again, I know I say this all the time. I'm having a, a ball doing this. But it means a lot when I see people download the show and people talk to me about the show. That's great. Um, deadrabbit.com is the website Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter and my email is deadrabbitradio at gmail.com I guess I gotta put that last part in so I will be back Monday as long as I don't get abducted by aliens which I don't believe in but they that may be the way they prove themselves to me tonight when I'm sleeping I wake up and they're dude if I woke up and there was three gray aliens sitting over my bed dude two of them are going to the hospital. Two of them are going to end up in space hospital. They will be... The third one, I, I probably can't take three little dudes. But de- dude, those heads are so big. And think about it, no matter where you punch a gray in the face, you're hitting his eyeball. That has to hurt. That has to hurt. Could you imagine having eyeballs that are one-fourth the size of your face? Like, no matter... You couldn't box. You couldn't box. You couldn't even wrestle. You could not gauge in, dude. You know what? Now that I think about it, that's like the dumbest evolutionary trait. Though greys are, greys are the weakest alien species ever. They're way too vulnerable. And don't give me that telepath garbage either. Oh yeah, they're telepaths and they can. That's bogus, dude. 
That's bogus. That's when I like when I tell people that I know how to read tarot cards. I'm just really good at reading people. I have no special skill, and neither do they. Grays, bring it. That's all I gotta say. If I'm not back by Monday, it's because I'm covered in purple blood somewhere, because I'm in some sort of alien arena, knocking dudes out. Punching reptilians and tripping tiger people from Tigeria 7. I don't know. But I think the antibiotics are kicking in. Have a great day, and I will have a great weekend, and I will see you Monday. (laughs) 